campers. Welcome to Girls Camp or welcome back. I'm your host Haley Rawl and as always I'm so thrilled that you're here. Right off the bat I wanted to say if you haven't listened to last week's episode with JC Marie Smith, what are you doing? Go listen. I did not get the chance to actually intro JC. Late last Tuesday night I was scrambling to get everything edited and get the video uploaded And I actually recorded an intro to tag on to the interview, and I forgot to add it, which is fine. We just launched right into the combo, which was totally great. But I just wanted to take the chance now to say JC is phenomenal. I have admired her for a really long time, and having her come on Girls Camp and share her story was such an honor. I know that it resonated so deeply with so many of you, and I've been just getting a lot of DMs and messages, and I know JC has as well, and that's what Girls Camp is all about, sharing our stories, connecting with each other. JC has such a wide reach as well, and I'm really grateful she was willing to come on and promote Girls Camp. If you've found me through JC, hello, welcome, so happy you're here, hope you stay a while. I also wanted to say that my Mormon Stories episode went live last Thursday, and I am so grateful for the chance to tell my story in that format. I found it super cathartic to tell my story, to listen back to it. Mormon Stories does such a good job at being really thorough, which I think is so valuable, And I was interviewed by John DeLynn and Gerardo, who works for Mormon Stories as well. And they just asked me really good questions that were really thoughtful and thought-provoking. And I'm just glad I had the opportunity to tell my story over there. So if you're interested in more of my voice, go to Mormon Stories and you can hear the full Mormon story. And if you found me through Mormon Stories, welcome to you as well. Again, I hope you stay a while So glad you're here. Today's episode, we are talking about the Mormon Trek experience, the Pioneer Trek, the handcart reenactment. I'll give a whole rundown on what this even is for those of you who don't know. But I did want to mention too that JC did the funniest TikTok video about her Trek experience a few weeks ago. And I will share that with you all because she was just talking about what happened to her, her thoughts on it. And it kind of got me thinking about Trek, which I had forgotten about. And then I asked you all on the stories on Instagram, what topic you wanted to talk about today. And you said Trek. So here we are. I was thinking I maybe should have saved this Trek episode for Pioneer Day. Ding, ding, ding. Utah has a holiday to celebrate Pioneers, July 24th, which would have fit nicely, but it doesn't matter. We're talking about Trek And, oh boy, man oh man, do we have a lot to get into. I don't know what I'm expecting when I put out these story submission prompts. I think I was feeling like it would be funny and crazy, kind of in a silly way, which there are plenty of those stories, don't worry. But a lot of these are legitimately traumatic and have me questioning the legality of Trek for real. Some of these are kind of heavy. So I wanted to also prepare you for that. We will be laughing. There's 
some more lighthearted things, but there's also some pretty crazy stories, (laughs) as you will find out. But thank you all for writing in. We cover the whole range of the Trek experience, and I learned a lot of things about Trek as someone who had gone on Trek that I did not know people were doing. There's a lot. Lots and lots to get into. Compared to you all, I think my Trek experience was pretty mellow. I mean, Trek is kind of crazy no matter how you slice it, but I didn't have anything super wild happen to me. I got pretty lucky because my best friend, he played guitar and sang, and the stake president asked him to sing at a fireside for Trek. He said, yes, I will do it, but only if you put me in the same Trek family as Haley, me, and they were like, sure, okay, whatever. So we got to be siblings in our Trek family, and our ma and pa, this is so funny to use this language, but our ma and pa were my other best friend's parents who were super cool, pretty chill. So we kind of just hung out and had a good time pushing our handcart. <laughs> I have a confession to make. I was a bit of a theater kid growing up. I sort of tapered out around like, I don't know, 14-ish, maybe a little earlier But I'm still one of those girls that's super down for a costume party. I love a murder mystery where I can put a little bit of an actor hat on. So for me, I think I thought it was fun and cool to dress up like a pioneer and pretend to be a pioneer and let my inner theater kid shine. I also remember we would push the handcarts and like sing songs and that whole thing. So that was the main takeaway from my Trek experience. The only thing that I have a vivid memory of that was kind of weird was the women's poll, which we will talk about because a lot of you wrote in about that. So there's some foreshadowing. Stay tuned for some discourse on the women's poll of Trek. If you know, you know. If not, I will tell you. The only other memory I have is there's this part of Trek where you get to a river, at least the trail that we went on. And the river crosses the trail. And I think this is based on something that actually happened in pioneer history. But the older boys, the young men, carry the women across the river. So they get in the river and they like carry you like babies across the river. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure it's because, again, there's some story of men doing this. And I think some of the men like got hypothermia and died, the actual pioneers who did this. But for teenage Haley, I was just stoked because I had this handsome older man, well, boy, this handsome teenager, lift me up like a baby in my pioneer outfit and carry me like a damsel in distress across the river And I thought it was so fun and romantic and cute. And I remember feeling like really Twitterpated to be carried across the river. So that's my core Trek memories. Also, I just launched into it, but let's do a little background on Trek because if there's any Never Mormons listening or any of you who didn't go on Trek, you're probably wondering why the hell I'm using words like ma and pa and women's poll and what I'm talking about. So background on Trek. I did a tiny little bit of research and learned that Trek started in 1966. There was just a ward that kind of 
had an idea to pretend to be pioneers and they pulled it together, but it didn't reach popularity until 1997. That's when it started to become more established. And now it's a whole thing. Like I researched Trek online and there's manuals for wards who want to do Trek. They have the whole system laid out. There's locations that the church owns, trails that you can go on. I actually don't know if they own them, but there's certain trails that are designated for Mormons to go do the Trek experience, some of which were actually done by the Mormon pioneers. So the one I did, which was in Wyoming, I believe, was actually part of the Mormon pioneer trail. This is what the LDS Church officially says about Trek. Trek is an activity in which the youth reenact some of the faith-building experiences of the pioneers who journeyed to the Salt Lake Valley in the mid-1800s. Youth could be organized into groups or, quote, families, wear pioneer-era clothing, pull handcarts, and discuss the faith of those who made courageous sacrifices to gather to Zion. So, long story short, you dress up like pioneers, the whole thing, like bonnets, dresses, bloomers, legitimately dress like pioneers, and you actually pull an actual handcart and you travel a lot of miles. Like I remember we walked a ton. It's always in the summer, so it's usually really, really hot. Different stakes and wards or whoever is doing it will vary in the intensity of the experience, it seems, based on these stories. So for me, I remember we just had normal food. It was more like camping. So we would pull the carts, we would get to a campsite, and then eat our dinner, do like line dancing activities, do firesides, sit around the fire, go to sleep, do it again. And we did it for a number of days. But it sounds like some wards or steaks were a little more intense around like what food people were eating, the kind of reenactments people were doing. It seems pretty standard that the trek experience is set up in families, which means there's a ma and pa, and then you are put in a family and you're supposed to like pretend the people are your brothers and sisters. So the ma and pa are essentially just leaders in charge. And then the rest of the family are young men and young women. And the way I did it was with a stake, which was a ton of people, like hundreds of people. But I think you can do it on a smaller scale as well. So that's kind of just the general gist of Trek, which already we might be thinking, hmm, must we reenact the pioneer trek in order to connect with our ancestors what really is the point of cosplaying the pioneers <laughs> as the church says it's to um have faith building experiences which perhaps some have those perhaps not but the whole thing maybe is just a little bit weird I did have some of you write in and say that it's similar to like Civil War reenactments that people do in the South, which seems like a great comparison. Just kind of a weird, quirky, odd, bizarre thing that, again, I grew up and just did it. But taking a step back, it's a little bit weird. It's a little bit weird to put on a bonnet and a pioneer dress and walk for 10 miles for really no damn good reason. I will say, I remember doing it. I talked about that it was fun for me. I also think it felt spiritual for me in some ways. And I feel like when you are out in nature, when you are tired, when you are working hard, when you are in an experience where 
people are hoping you have spiritual experiences. Oftentimes there's sort of this like fabricated spiritual thing going on, if that makes sense. I don't remember any significant spiritual experiences I had. I just remember thinking, oh, this is like a cool thing that we get to do and learn about the pioneers, which maybe it is in some ways, but there's definitely some deeply problematic aspects of this whole thing, which the stories will shed light on. Okay, there is the rundown on Trek, and now we are going to tell some stories. So I'm just going to jump right into it. Like I said, buckle up. We were only allowed to bring what could fit in a Home Depot bucket, which for most people meant no sleeping bags and no blankets. We didn't sleep in tents, just open cow pastures next to fresh cow shit. We all woke up freezing and soaking wet from dew every single morning. It was awful and so unsafe. Then, during the women's poll, all the guys just laughed at us. It was humiliating. Trek is the worst experience the church does to the youth. I forgot that you had to only bring a certain amount of items because you're actually pulling your items with you in the handcart, which is crazy. No sleeping bags and blankets sleeping out in the open is absolutely unsafe. So unsafe. I did not know that that was a thing. I remember sleeping in a tent and I thought I had a sleeping bag. I think they had like cars that would drive the sleeping bags and stuff to the campsites that we had walked to. But this is crazy. Sounds so terrible. Also, let's talk about the women's poll. This is when there is a certain hill, I believe. At least there was on the trail I went on. And it's a super steep hill. And at this point in the trek, I think you've been already trekking for a couple days. Everyone's really tired. And they make the men go up the hill, like walk up the hill, leave all the women at the bottom. And then the women only push the handcarts up the hill while the men just watch. Really strange. I think it's to symbolize how a lot of the men died trekking the plains. I'm sure plenty of you are listening who know the actual history behind all of this. But I remember being told a lot of the men died and the women had to just like keep going. And a lot of women were pulling the handcarts, et cetera, et cetera. So they are kind of fabricating this situation where just the women are pulling the handcarts up the super steep hill and the men just have to, again, watch. And I remember doing this and it is very weird This person found it humiliating. I don't remember if I did, but I can totally see why you would because you're all just struggling a lot to push these handcarts up the hill while being just watched. But I remember a lot of women like sobbing and crying when I did it. And it was like this really powerful thing to see women like pushing the handcarts up the hill without the help of men. Yeah, bizarro. Really, really bizarre. And kind of scary because it's actually dangerous to be pushing heavy things up a hill if there's not enough strong people helping. So that's the women's poll. Okay, next story. I loved Trek because I got to see my boyfriend and sneak off and make out for a little bit. (laughs) Making out in pioneer clothing. Kind of hot. I also had my hair in braids and felt cute. (laughs) My two best friends were in the same family as me and we felt like bad bitches. Honestly, I relate. It was all fun and games until they decided to redo the infamous tar and feather scene of Joseph Smith. We all stood in a circle as I watched my little 14-year-old brother get fake 
tarred and feathered. I remember it actually being pretty realistic. I kept saying, that's my little brother. How is this okay? I was literally crying. It freaked me out so much. And I remember wanting to grab my brother and leave. Of course I didn't because hello, 16 year old horny Mormon girl wasn't going to pass up on the opportunity to see my boyfriend for a week. But I still have images of my brother laying on the floor with chocolate sauce and feathers all over him pretending to be almost dead. And our leaders surrounding him screaming at him acting like deranged angry mobsters. Of course, he was playing an innocent martyr. We all had no idea why he actually was tarred and feathered. Imagine my surprise when I learned the truth. Yeah, the Joseph Smith tar and feathering story hits a little different when you know a little bit more about Joseph Smith. That's for sure. I did not know that they reenacted the tar and feather thing, but I had multiple stories of people saying that this was a thing, that one of the young men or some of the young men got assigned to be the Joseph Smith to pretend to be tarred and feathered and they would pour chocolate sauce on them. This is so weird. So weird. It begs the question, why are we needing to reenact these traumatic things from Mormon history? Like what purpose does that serve? That's not really a typical thing to do to actually reenact these like traumatic historical things. And it sounds really scary for youth to be reenacting it themselves and to be watching this happen. So, yikes. This next story made me laugh so hard last night when I was reading through these stories. I told my husband and I was like dying laughing again. I told my mom and we were laughing again. Our stake president showed up for one night of the trek and gave us a lesson on repentance. Part of the lesson was visual. They gave everyone popsicle sticks and sharpies and had everyone write down a sin they want to get rid of. We were all supposed to throw our sins into the fire, representing getting rid of them. We all went to bed. I woke up a few hours later to use the bathroom and the fire was still burning a tiny bit. I walked over to warm up and saw about 100 <laughs> half burned popsicle sticks that all said masturbation on them. <laughs> Just like they didn't burn in the fire. And all of these little teenage boys just writing down masturbation as their sin. I was dying at this. Like, what if you wrote down masturbation and your friend knew your handwriting and you wake up the next morning and your popsicle stick is just sitting out there for all to see? Also, the fact that they didn't actually get burned is funny and ironic that the sins that were meant to go up in flames were still there on the popsicle sticks in the fire. Next story. I'm sure everyone else did this too, but I didn't realize how absolutely shocking it was until after leaving. We had a baby doll that you had to name and take care of like a real baby and then dig a hole and bury it and have a funeral. I remember getting so attached to my baby, tucking her in at night, carrying her the whole way. They even had me bathe her and pretend to feed her and absolutely sobbing while holding it while the men dug the hole to bury her in so traumatizing and their goal was literally to inflict the trauma to gain empathy for pioneers so freaking weird i'm about to cry thinking about sitting on that rock holding my quote dead baby waiting for her grave to be dug this was another one that shocked me deep to my core i do not remember the baby dolls pretending to be babies and having the babies die and burying them but again Many people wrote in a similar story about taking care of a baby, and I guess everyone's babies had to die and literally get buried. 
I think this person said it best. Why is the goal to literally inflict the trauma to gain empathy for pioneers? Like, do we need to actually inflict that actual trauma on teenage kids for us to have empathy for our pioneer ancestors? It just feels really twisted and really manipulative to put teenagers through something like this in order to try and get them to spiritually connect with pioneer ancestors. If even, I keep saying pioneer ancestors, but important to note, not everyone has pioneer ancestors and I actually do, but I know a lot of people went through the shit as well who don't even have pioneer ancestors, but this baby thing feels so problematic, so next level traumatic and so unnecessary. I'm sorry to this person. You loved that little baby and then had to bury it. Next one. My steak was hardcore. We had hardly any food for breakfast, limited snacks like fruit leather or nuts to get through the day, and then they'd usually make us dinner, except for one night. On this night, we all gathered around and they let out live chickens into a circle. One kid from every family had to be blindfolded and went into the circle to go catch a chicken. We then had to kill it, pluck the feathers, chop it up, the whole thing. We made some sort of stew slash soup with it to have for dinner. Not sure why they blindfolded the kids catching them, I guess just to make it funny. So messed up. It also snowed most of the days we were there. Overall, a miserable time. I didn't know some of you went during the winter. Summer is really bad. It was dead of summer when I went and a lot of you talked about heat stroke, heat exhaustion, dehydration, but snow, camping in the snow would also be incredibly miserable. Having to cut up a chicken, pluck it, cut it up, cook it into a stew. We've gone a little too far. We have gone way too far, Mormons, for doing this and making kids do this. Also, the fact that they had hardly any food, hardly any snacks, and then had to make their own dinner from a live chicken into a stew. This is really wild. One of you also wrote in and said they had to do this with a turkey, and they had to hold the turkey down while their leader cut off its head, and they got blood all over them, and they've literally been vegetarian for 23 years because of it. So this has some real long-term consequences when we're making our teenage kids, the youth, do crazy stuff like this. Okay, this one is really wild. Our bus burnt down on our way to Trek. For starters, my siblings and I were adopted. Our parents are white and we are black. The Exmos will get how problematic taking your black children trekking is. And true believing Mormons will probably never see it. Yeah, very problematic. On our way from Salt Lake to Martin's Cove, the bus kept having brake issues, so we stopped twice and thought everything was handled until we saw flames coming from the back of the bus. The bus driver pulled over and we all got off on the side of the highway. It was a slow burn, and no matter how much we told leaders that diesel doesn't explode, they wouldn't let us form a line to start getting our belongings from under the bus. We slowly watched all of our things get burned. All of the stuff they brought on Trek burned. A wealthy member of the ward offered to put us all up in a hotel in an effort to turn a traumatic experience into a faith-promoting one. Leaders decided that we would trek on like real pioneers. Other wards were leaving donated clothes and the church paid for all of us to get some extra pairs of underwear. We got featured in the Enzyme as a faith-promoting story, of course. Trek sucked, but the people were amazing from our ward. And as for the majority of the youth, we've all become ex-Mormons now and laugh about that experience. All your stuff getting burned is <laughs> so crazy. 
And then just having like a few pairs of underwear and some donated clothes to then go trek with as if it were not already bad enough. It is also so important to emphasize what this person pointed out. They mentioned they are a black person who went on trek and there were actually enslaved African-American individuals who crossed the plains with the Mormon pioneers. And the practice of slavery in Utah specifically actually began with the settlement of Mormon pioneers. So all the way in 1847, and it lasted for 15 years until it was made illegal in 1862. There were three people named Green Flake, Hark Lay, and Oscar Crosby who came west with the very first Mormon pioneer company in 1847. And according to some people, it was Green Flake who drove the wagon that actually brought Brigham Young into the Salt Lake Valley. So obviously, it becomes very problematic and complicated to be celebrating these pioneers, especially when we're not learning about these things, right? I did not know about there being enslaved individuals coming across the plains with pioneers until very recently. That is not something that's taught. It is not something that is reckoned with that we hold ourselves accountable to as white Mormons and that the church openly speaks about. So I just think that's really important to note. I am not going to get into all of that right now, but I definitely wanted to make note of how problematic that is. And we will unpack a lot of that in future episodes. I have some individuals in mind who are more experts around these specific things that I want to come on the podcast and help us learn and unpack more. Speaking of colonialism, racism, and rewriting history, listen to this next story. I just unlocked a memory of when we were woken up several nights in a row on trek while we were already incredibly exhausted by, quote, Indian attacks. Basically, the leaders would dress up as Native Americans, run through the camp, and yell, scream, hit on tents, etc. The morning after one of these, quote, attacks, I remember we were told that certain members had been, quote, killed by the Native Americans. They used it as a whole testimony building experience. Not only is this incredibly historically inaccurate, it's so, so, so racist and basically removes the history of Mormons being the ones that took the land and were often the ones doing the killing. It took so many years to unpack this racism and made it even harder to discover the true history between Mormons and the Native Americans. This is so bad. This is so bad. This did not happen on my trek, but again, so many people wrote in that this was a shared experience that white Mormon leaders were pretending to be Native Americans and pretending to like attack camp, which as this person said, is deeply inaccurate, deeply problematic for any of that pretending to even be happening and is just completely rewriting history in the favor of white Mormon pioneers in a way that's so untrue. So I'm going to put a pin in that whole conversation. I'm writing it down so we can revisit it in an episode because it's a huge deal and it is not something that should be happening or that should have ever happened. Also, as this person pointed out, just scary and again, unnecessary to be waking up kids at night trying to pretend like these scary things are happening to them. Okay, next story. 
I was 14 when I went on my first trek. My ward slash stake wouldn't let us bring any worldly items, including glasses. Glasses. For vision. I've been legally blind since I was six, and the idea of doing a three-day trek blind was seriously a scary thought. Instead of just wearing my glasses like a normal human being, I thought I would be sneaky and wear contacts. It was my first time wearing them, and I didn't know I needed to take them out slash hydrate them. I wore them straight for three days and contracted a double whammy of keratitis, not sure what that is, and pink eye. Worst pain ever. I hate trek. I went home halfway during my second one at age 18. Can we let the kids wear glasses so they can see? Is that really necessary to not let people wear glasses on trek? I did not realize how hardcore some of these stakes were about trek. That is so wild. Terrible to be on trek with an eye infection and pink eye because you just want to see. So you don't literally fall down a hill and get hurt. Okay, this next one is short and not sweet. They say, I passed out during the women's pole carrying hand carts up a steep mountain, hit my head and got severe heat exhaustion. I wasn't the only one that passed out either. So many stories of heat exhaustion, of people needing emergency medical help because of dehydration, heat exhaustion, the whole thing, which I'm really confused by because it doesn't feel legal. doesn't feel right, first of all, but also doesn't feel legal that you can take a whole group of kids and leaders out into the desert and not properly feed them and hydrate them and make sure that they're protected from the elements. It feels like from the experiences I'm reading, like they were kind of hoping that not that people would get hurt or get heat exhaustion, but it was kind of like, well, this is what the pioneers went through. Like, this is what it's like. This is how hard it was. But that's just like not okay to do to people. There needs to be safety measures in place. And again, this is one story of so many of people who passed out, of stakes who went on trek and like 40 people had to go home because they passed out or they were dehydrated. Really bad, really unfair. Super sorry that you went through that. I also wanted to mention here that there have been people who have died on Mormon trek experiences. And I actually had some of you write in who were on trek when leaders died. Two of you said you were there when leaders actually died. Why is the church not getting sued for this? I should have done more research on that because that just feels like not, again, allowed or okay. And people should not be dying pretending to be pioneers, period, the end. That should not be happening. And the fact that that has happened multiple times, but yet treks are still going on is deeply concerning to me. If the Mormons want to do trek, let them do trek. You know, if people want to get dressed up as pioneers and do the whole thing, but there has to be safety measures in place and there has to be, again, proper food, proper hydration. I just don't understand how there's not really strict measures in place to ensure the safety and well-being of the members who go on trek. And it's so devastating that people have died. And I think that's important to mention. I know there's a lot of silly, crazy stuff around Trek, but it also gets really real when you realize that people have actually died because of this. Okay, next story. I was absolutely set on not going 
Turns out my young women's leaders had been prepping everything for me during all the activity nights leading up to Trek and showed up at my door with everything the night before and guilted me into going. I was not prepared at all mentally or physically. This was back in 2007 when GPS wasn't amazing and the Trek leader got us all lost and we ended up walking 13 miles the first day. I was covered in bloody blisters and they did nothing to help me. The next day I started my period and due to me not being prepared, I didn't have any pads or tampons. They only gave me one pad per 24 hours and the camp nurse said, you're lucky to even get one. Your ancestors got none. Overall, one of the most traumatic experiences of my life, I ended up with infections in my blisters, a hatred for my leaders, and to top it off, the bishop made me give a talk in sacrament meeting about my experience, and I ended up breaking down on the pulpit and started sobbing so hard they had to escort me out. True trauma. Wow. Being forced to go. Being given one pad. I had a lot of women write in that said they were on their periods and they didn't have proper like period hygiene products and they had to like make do and even if you have plenty of tampons being on your period is hard enough and being on your period while pushing a handcart up a hill in the dead of summer is not okay I was gonna title this episode trek trauma and then I was like no I don't know if I want to use the word trauma that might be you know I don't want to use that word lightly but this is legitimately traumatic this is why I have been shocked Okay, next one. When we got to Trek, it was pretty apparent that there was not enough food. They were literally rationing bread to where each person would get half a piece of bread and a small salad for lunch. For dinner, we were supposed to have stew, but there was only enough for half the people. So they asked if some of us would volunteer to fast. They kept promising that those who fasted would be able to experience Trek like never before. This went on for a whole week. I was a very small person and didn't have to eat a lot, so I volunteered to fast. It was mostly women who volunteered because we were the ones taking the trip very seriously. Anyway, long story short, despite my efforts, I never had a spiritual awakening on Trek. When I got back, my mom and dad seemed very concerned about my health and asked me to go and see if I had lost any weight. I was feeling pretty weak and felt like my pants didn't fit anymore, so I agreed to go check. I had lost 15 pounds. Yikes. To this day, it was one of the most traumatic experiences of my life. I was starving for most of it, and I still cannot believe that they put so many young people through this. This one blew my mind. Blew my mind. It sounds like they just didn't bring enough food because they didn't properly prepare. They didn't realize how many people were there and how much food they were going to need. So they made this weird spin on it, asking people to fast And then this girl lost 15 pounds. Fasting while doing that much walking, no matter what, is just bad. Not to mention a lot of times there's heat. There's like these different elements. That is so bad. That is so bad. I'm so sorry for this person. I hate fasting. I'll do a whole fasting episode because I think it can be very triggering, especially for women with eating disorders, disordered eating behaviors and stuff like that. But this is next level to have to go on trek and not be able to be fed. I'm so sorry to this person. That's terrible. I know I've said it a million times, but this is heavy shit. And as I was reading through a lot of these, I was thinking like, should I be doing an investigation to like present to the powers that be to shut down trek? (laughs) And maybe it's gotten better. I don't know the like time period that these were all sent in. But hopefully it's gotten better and hopefully it's not still this bad with food, with lack of medical resources, with people 
getting sick. Also, I am not cherry picking stories to make this sound more extreme or worse than it is. These stories are indicative of what people wrote in. Like every story I'm reading, there's at least a few people who had a similar experience of not having enough food, of starting their period and not being properly taken care of, of people passing out, of people getting sick. Like this is sounding really typical. I'm going to lighten up the mood a little bit and share a couple more, more silly trek stories so we can leave on a little bit of a lighter note. During my trek, a bunch of kids snuck off in the night and went skinny dipping. It was a massive scandal and we all got a stern talking to. Also, one of the nights, my Trek family and I, minus our fake parents, were all sitting in the boys' tent talking and laughing and playing games. But it was windy and bugs were getting in the tent, so we zipped it up. And then we got in trouble because boys and girls couldn't be in a closed tent. There was like 10 of us. I don't know what they thought we were doing. Ha ha ha. An incestuous orgy, maybe. Incestuous orgy might be the most accurate Pioneer Trek experience there is. <laughs> I had to say it. I just had to say it. This is so typical Mormon to put young boys and young girls together on a trek experience, like doing this co-ed thing and then just making the most insane rules about how they can interact with each other. Because yeah, 10 people in a tent playing games should be pretty safe. Also skinny dipping, fun. That's brave. That's a bold move to go on trek and then end up going skinny dipping. Good for you, whoever that was. Okay, this person said, everyone else had a sexy, fun trek time, but I was in the same group as my parents, so I literally just walked and didn't have a fun crush. LOL, still bitter. <laughs> it's so true. When the young men and young women are together and you're camping and you're all like pushing hand cards together and the men are looking all handsome in their pioneer get up, so many trek crushes were going on. A lot of you also wrote in saying that you were hooking up on Trek, not having sex, but like getting down and dirty in your pioneer clothes. And one person said that the hookup spot for Trek was by the bathrooms, which were like porta potties, I think. So people would sneak out at night and meet at the porta potties and make out with each other, probably dry hump in their pioneer getup by the bathrooms, caked in dirt and sweat. That's a true pioneer experience. Okay, next one. The feelings I had at experiences like Trek were some of the hardest to grapple with when I left the church. I remember feeling like I had such a strong testimony at the end of these youth experiences. However, when I really looked at them, I realized that they were built around pushing youth to the point of exhaustion and then making them, a lot of the times, feel guilty. We were literally walking 10 plus miles a day, many of us severely dehydrated, in the heat for two to four days, and then told stories of our ancestors that gave up everything to move west. Of course, I cried at testimony meeting. I felt guilty, I was tired, and I was probably overheated. This is such an important point to make that when you are in these types of like high pressure, intense situations where you're tired, where you're oftentimes separated from your parents and your family, you are probably going to be more susceptible and more vulnerable to spiritual experiences and to feeling things that you might confuse for something that is spiritual when really you're just fucking tired and homesick and maybe even scared based on some of these stories. I think that this is a really good thing to talk to in this episode because 
I know a lot of us have had these maybe intense experiences with things like Trek or EFY, which we'll talk about, or Girls Camp, which we'll talk about. But I do find it manipulative to put youth in these pressure cooker situations and then try and manufacture this spiritual element to it because that can just be deeply confusing for kids. And I feel very similarly to this person where I had to kind of reconcile some of these, quote, spiritual experiences I had that were probably more a product of just feeling emotionally vulnerable and physically tired, which Trek definitely will make you feel both. Okay, here's the last story, and this is from a male camper, which I know based on my statistics, which I can see on Spotify, that the male campers make up a smaller percentage of this camper community, and I love that you're here. So if you are a male camper and you're listening, thanks for being here, and thanks for writing in. We love to hear the male experience of Trek. Okay. We were forced to wear long-sleeved shirts and pants, and the girls had to wear dresses. I chafed really bad downstairs from wearing the same pair of sweaty jeans for a whole week. It got to be really bad, where every step felt like someone was stabbing knives into my inner thighs. I was too embarrassed to ask any leaders if they had rash cream or whatever. The only thing I had that I thought might help was chapstick, which I applied liberally. Unfortunately, it was pina colada flavored slash scented chapstick and that smell combined with my own odors and those of my aforementioned sweaty jeans created a biological weapon akin to mustard gas. <laughs> pina colada chapstick. Oh, I just remember being a teenager and you're just like so embarrassed of everything. You know, you're already embarrassed of your own body and just normal things like having a period or chafing in hot, sweaty jeans. So you don't want to ask anyone. And then you come up with your own little solutions. And the solution is really sweet. The pina colada chapstick. Uh, I hope that it actually helped the chafing, even if it made the smell even worse. But I admire your resourcefulness, this person. <laughs> All right, friends. So concludes our Trek stories for today. There is plenty more where that came from, so maybe we will revisit this topic in the future. I'm sure we will. Like I've said a hundred times, I was not expecting it to be so heavy and kind of dark, but you know what? It's important. It's important that these stories are told. Something as trivial and maybe seemingly inconsequential as five days at Trek could be really traumatic for some people. And I'm glad you shared your stories. I had my eyes opened up to a lot of what goes on at Trek, and I'm glad I did. And for those of us who had more of a silly, crazy time at Trek without some of the more scary, problematic things, seems like we kind of got lucky. And I'm glad that I didn't have as intense an experience as a lot of you did. One thing I know for sure... I will not be going on Trek ever again, nor will my children, and I am glad for that. I've actually, while we're on the pioneer subject, I've been kind of wanting to do some more family history. <laughs> How very Mormon of me. But I've been just realizing I don't know that much about my ancestry, but I do know that I have pioneer ancestry and I'm curious just to learn more about it. I think that's an interesting piece to reconcile as a post-Mormon if you do have pioneer ancestors and kind of making peace with your ancestors' 
sacrificing a lot for something and doing a lot for something and then you deciding to leave it, which is a super complicated topic, but it's something that's kind of been on my mind lately. John DeLynn actually asked me on my Mormon Stories interview, like how far back my Mormon heritage went. And I just realized, oh, I should probably know more about that. Sounds nice to figure out more about where I came from. So stay tuned if anything comes from that. Also, not only is there the post-Mormon thing to reckon with, with pioneer ancestry, but also all the stuff we talked about with settling lands that were not ours to settle and enslaving African-Americans. There is a lot to learn about that I think is our job to be educated on if we do have pioneer ancestry and even if we don't, but we're Mormons, that's part of the Mormon history and Mormon heritage that I think is really important to understand. I am going to switch gears to tell you all something I am so excited about, which is that I am actively working on some Girls Camp merch. We are starting with one specific merch item and, I don't know, trying to build up hype. I'll tell you what it is soon, but I'm super excited about it. I'm working with a designer, my good friend Nicole. She's amazing, and I've already been talking to a vendor things are happening, you're going to want to get your hands on this merchandise. What I love about the name Girls Camp, which a lot of you have pointed out as well, is that it doesn't give you away. You know, if you are a secret post-Mormon, if you haven't told your friends or family yet, you can still rock Girls Camp merch. There's nothing inherently post-Mormon about Girls Camp. I've mentioned this before, but my mom actually went to girls camp with her ward this year. And I was like, shoot, mom, I wish I had my merch ready because then you could buy a whole bunch of it and give it to your girls camp girls. They'll never know any different. I would love nothing more than an unsuspecting, true believing Mormon to accidentally buy some girls camp logoed stuff and just be rocking it with no idea what girls camp actually is. All right, friends, thanks so much for listening, for sharing your Trek trauma with us all. There was plenty of trauma to go around, and I'm saving the stories I wasn't able to get to so we can revisit this topic again someday. Have a wonderful week. I cannot wait to chat with you next Wednesday. Until then, I almost just said be safe, be kind, be hot. Trademark Maddie Murphy of the Bad Broadcast. (laughs) just float with the until then thing but be safe be kind be hot as maddie murphy of the bad broadcast says and listen to the bad broadcast in the meantime too all right talk soon everyone bye G-I-R.